uh, time for episode number 19 of the General Knowledge Podcast. I am General Maddox, and I'm here, of course, joined with my brother-in-arms, Ethan Nash of TOTTnews.com. Ethan, how you going, brother? Good, mate. It's it's good to be here for another Sunday. Looking forward to today's episode. Got some good topics lined up for everyone here today. Yeah, we have, we got... Um, Few things to cover, and um, we've noticed that uh, this this five G situation's really been uh, going pretty much headstrong amongst uh, the, you know social media lately. Um, I'm sure you've seen the same thing. You've uh, had plenty of hits on uh, on your website with regards to those articles you've been pumping out too, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely, mate. So yeah, we'll definitely go through some of the five G developments that really did explode just can, straight up after really um, our last podcast. It really just started becoming really prominent especially with, you know, some of the new announcements that have um, come out this week. So I'm looking forward to having a chat about that for sure. Yeah, excellent. Actually, yeah, speaking of the podcast, you know, like I said, we're up to episode 19 now, which is awesome. And um, I was um, listening to, just sort of re-listening to some of the older ones because I do that now and again. I'll just, you know, just download randomly number, you know, whatever number we've done so far and just have a listen. And I played, I think it was number 10, and um, which I think was maybe... Uh, Jeffrey Hodges might have been our guest on that one from the uh, No Tolls Party. Yes, it was. Um, and yeah. I was. Yeah, I was just sort of listening back to it, and um, you know, I said, "Oh, I think I said, well, we're 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 nearly at a thousand downloads, and um, yeah, we've got got maybe a dozen subscribers." You know, I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm thinking, we've only done <laughs> wow. another nine, and now we're already over fifty two hundred downloads, and we're over like ninety three subscribers now, or something like it's going crazy. So. Um, kudos to everyone out there who's listening and um, and downloading the podcast and all that sort of stuff. It's really good to see that um, we've actually got a pretty good following now. So, yay us! <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's good wow. to see. Yeah, but, like nine episodes later, and that's how much um, how many more four over four thousand more downloads. You know, so that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, so. and some good episodes in that in that run too. From episode ten to nine, we've had some real real hard hitters in there. So we it's have. good to see the podcast growing. You know, and that's a good thing about touching on sort of you know on point um, sort of topics that we've been going over lately. Um, because what what I sent, tend to see is when people are talking about it on things like Facebook and stuff, I'll just copy a link to that podcast and and paste it in the conversation and say, we talked about this on our latest episode, have a listen, you know, and I noticed there's always a bit of a mm-hmm. spike, you know, might get another 20 or 30 odd downloads and a few, you know, subscribers here and there coming through because of because of that, because it's because the things we're talking about are, uh, you know, I don't know if, I don't know, you know, we may not be at the forefront, but some of the things, pardon me, that we're talking about are at the forefront and um, people are realizing that, oh, mm-hmm. these guys have already talked about it, you know, it's already... It's already out there, and there's probably people who got podcasts about it. And yeah, so it's it's relevant. It's good. You know, we're sort of set, not really setting the trend in in, a, in an example. We're kind of, I guess, maybe on point with the trends, or kind of following closely behind. You know, that's that's the kind of feeling I'm getting anyway. I don't know about yourself. Yeah, no, I completely agree, General. And I, I try to do that too. You know, whenever a new news article comes out, I like to share it on the TOTT News Facebook page or Twitter, for example. And I like to just put a link to one of my articles that I did previously where I touched on that. And, you know, j- just to give the, the you know, the listeners some new um, material to see, but also for them to also click on the link and realize, well, hey, we've also covered this maybe 12 months, six months, three months prior to this coming out in the mainstream press. And this is a recurring theme that continues to happen. Think of the Chinese social credit system. Think mm-hmm. of 
the My Health Record, all of these things that we've sort of been at the front edge of finding the documents, finding the information and, and really being some of the only platforms to, to address this here in Australia. You know, I, I like to do that just because we do work hard to, to try and set that trend and try as be as close to the forefront of this information as possible. I know I do. I call my website Australia's Frontline. So I want to try and live up to that moniker and, and get the information out before anyone else um, is going to address it or before it's it's too late. You know, we, we often mm. see that general the mainstream media will, will report something and it's already been introduced for, for 12, 13 months and they start to report on it right at the end when it's too late to make a difference. Well, I want to be ahead of that curve and I want to make sure that we get the information out as soon as possible and, and, and really just tap into to what the establishment pl- plans are. So it's good yeah. that people, you know, are starting to recognise that and I hope that, you know, they do come to our websites as that for a primary reason, mate. Yeah, yeah. And one of the examples I can think of clearly with regards to that is how for years now, you and I, on our prospective um, websites at tottnews.com and realnewsaustralia.com, we've been talking about things like um, yeah, the, the aerosol spraying and chemtrails and all that sort of stuff and how, you know, it's it's part of a an actual agenda. They want to... Yeah, they've got these solar radiation management programs now that they're, we've been talking about how they wanted to put it in. And now it's a thing. And now, like you said before, now the mainstream media, you know, 12, 13, 14, whatever months later, are now putting little articles mm. out about it saying, oh, you know, scientists plan to uh, release particles in the atmosphere to uh, reduce global warming. I'm like, man, we talked about that shit ages ago. And there's an example. Yeah, we, yeah. Did, a po- <laughs> we did a podcast on that back in February um, with, with Rob Deutsch, uh, weather modification and the 5G threat. We even talked about it, a bit about it then, you know. And then that was only this year, but we go back years and years talking on our websites about this sort of stuff. So, yeah, you're right. When mm. we are pretty much trying to say, you know, it's a bit of a pat on the back, but we are, I reckon we are at that forefront of putting this information to the to the wider public because the mainstream media are definitely lacking, mate. They are oh, they're, they're so far behind. The stuff they put out is um thing you know, they're covering things that are already happening, you know, we're trying to let people know that this is coming up and this is gonna happen and then when it does happen yeah. we're sitting there going I hate to say, but we told you so. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's not exactly that we want to be right, that guy, but we are that guy sometimes. So <laughs> that's right, and that's yeah. that's exactly what we try to to aspire to be. And I think with, especially with some of the content we're going to talk about in this episode, general, I think it'll be another example of just how sort of ahead of the curve our websites are, and and I'm I'm happy that people resonate with that, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, look, mm. um, so back. Uh, you know what? Two weeks ago now, we had the the election. It was the all election? Now, obviously, yep. we don't hear anything about you know the election. Well, rarely anything on the news and stuff. It's it's uh, still a bit of that shock and all. Oh, you know, why didn't Labor win? We thought Labor was going to win. That was that's sort of all you're hearing on the news right now, other than mm. the signage and things still being left. To, you know, at your local school grounds or on the you know, busy intersections, you're still seeing some of these people's placards and stuff because they don't know how to get rid of their waste. But, um, yeah, we, um, obviously, Andy and I and um, one of his cameramen from, uh, from oh, one of the, I think he's actually one of his colleagues from one of his businesses at Pixel Studios. They do a really good job, actually. Um, they were, you know, we were at one of the local schools. Uh, as promised, 
back on the street again, uh, covering the election for another year, for, uh, not for another year, for another cycle, I should say. And um, it was, look, I've got to tell you, we were, it was definitely a different vibe than it was three years ago. Um, I definitely noticed a bit of a change. It, largely, we are still apathetic towards voting in general, the, you know, the public, but there was quite a lot of people definitely agreeing with the sentiment that they're sick of this two-party system, which I thought was interesting. Um, still a few people saying, yep, yeah, oh, we just vote them because, you know, uh, we always go Labour, we always go Liberal, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was still that kind of sentiment, but I would definitely say there was a more of a surge in people sick of the two-party system and wanting to vote the independents in the minor parties, you know, um, which is good. I think that's encouraging. Um, mm. I guess that to me that says that people are sort of waking up to the bullshit a bit more, uh, but not enough. Definitely not enough. If you compare the two videos, you can go over to realnewsaustralia.com and have a look at the uh, Australia's 2019 selection. Um, oh, sorry, I mean election. <laughs> um, and you can look at the two <laughs> videos in the same article there and can compare the two for yourselves, really. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts mm. on um, on this year's um, selection, mate? Yeah, it was certainly interesting, General. Um, it, it didn't really surprise me, the sentiment from the public. Um, I wrote a piece on TOTTnews.com in the lead-up to the election called Spot the Difference, Politics versus Wrestling. Um, mm. And uh, it was a bit of a funny sort of satire piece, but um, I wanted to get across some serious points in that message. And what I... What I wanted to talk about in that article was it it just seemed like more and more people had bought in to the the storyline, the show that I compare it to wrestling storylines. That was the 2019 federal election. You know, you had the the big bad guy heel, uh, Scott Morrison, looking to retain his championship title general. Mm. And then you had the challenger, Bill Shorten, the, the good guy fighting for all the cancer and the welfare and the socialist issues coming in strong, but they they swerved us there at the end, uh, surprisingly, which sort of caught me off guard, which was also pretty entertaining. But I wanted to get across in that piece that it just seemed like more and more people, especially in the wake of Donald Trump's election, have become more focused on politics or what they perceive as being politically aware. And because of that, more and more people, it seemed, this election, you know, we had record enrollment numbers, record voting numbers. It just seemed like more and more people got sucked into um, the mainstream narrative uh, yet again, which was, you know, not surprising to see, but it was good to see in that video that there was somewhat of a shift in sentiment in terms of people not wanting to vote for the major parties and we saw that in the results where there was record votes for independence across the country and there was record you know there was even record donkey votes people just not voting at all so Mm. that that also shows us something but it also seems like more and more of the country as people were starting to wake up were also falling into the trap so it just seemed like another election pulled off general to perfection by their teams mate yeah, I know. It's um, one thing we also noticed that um, the pre-polling um, was a lot bigger this mm-hmm. year. There was what four, yeah. four million, I think, what pre you know pre-polling votes cast um, like a week in the weeks yep. before, which is crazy. Yep. Um, and we definitely noticed there was a a massive downturn in numbers um, at the school we went to to cover the voting and. One of the, the people we spoke to there, he's with he was with the Greens party. He said he's been there for the last couple of years with that party handing out flies and things. And even he said this is the quietest he's ever seen it. 
Um, mm. you know, and we noticed because it, it was, was actually, really low. It was low, and it was. Um, you can probably gather that from the footage as well. Compare it to the previous year. There's heaps of people walking past. We even did some footage of of the long line going to the ballots. Um, this year, yep. it, we were struggling to even find people to interview at, at times. You know, it just got so quiet. We and, and it was we did this at, at um, I think it was around about between ten and twelve. You know, sort of that mid morning kind of time frame. Um, and we even spoke to the guy, other people there, and they said, "Yeah, it's it was it was quiet earlier. This is sort of peak right now." We're going, "Wow!" <laughs> I mean, yeah. I feel sorry for the people trying to raise money at the old sausage sizzle, but because um, <laughs> there was hardly <laughs> anyone there, it was crazy. Um, someone, uh, my wife said yeah. she voted at the local school, and it was a little busier, and she went around nine-ish. But um, I've heard other people saying the same thing that yeah, numbers were it was definitely quick and easy. I, I voted first thing before I caught up with Andy and and Danis to or Danius to um, do the shooting, and uh, I voted around mm. nine a.m. and yeah, mate, I was in and out within two minutes, like just born. It just I knew I was voting for her as well, but um, yeah, it was very quiet. So yeah, very uh, yeah, that's very interesting, interesting to see. Yeah, people just I don't know. I mean, is it, I don't want to come out on a Saturday. I just want to get something out of the done, and you know, you just do the pre-polling, get it done while I'm at work somewhere, and not have to worry about losing time on the weekend. Um, yeah, it's hard to work I think that that's one out. What, what are your is. thoughts on that, man? You reckon that's what it is? Yeah, well, I saw a lot of pre-polling booths that were had line-ups after work when I was coming home from work, wow. all in the lead-up to the election. So they were just packed. They were more packed than they were on election day. People just calling in after work. Got to get this done do your vote, go home, like an, another chore because people are just so sick of doing it, um, which was interesting to see. And, and it's interesting that you do bring that up as well, General. I think I did hear on the Channel 9's coverage, I watched it just for the entertainment to see just how how these people could struggle through six hours of, of programming just to see how their performances would go. But <laughs> at the end there, I think they, they actually did say that the Ford electorate was one of the biggest pre-polling electorates in the country like something like half of the electorate did pre-poll voting wow. and that 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 does not surprise me that it was absolutely quiet to the areas that you went to compared to previous years because people are just you know and that doesn't even include all of the postal votes and everything mm. that got done you know it just seems like people are just sick of of the election cycle um and and that's it's it's just it always puzzles me mate how every year people get more and more sick of it but they continue to to go in and go through the process and not sort of break out of the two-party paradigm. It, it's always interesting to me, especially when trust in government, trust in media continues to go up after every election, but people still, even though they're sick of it, even though they're tired of doing it, they will still continue on with the race, mate. It's it's, it's very puzzling. What, what are your thoughts on, on that sort of perspective? Yeah, well, there was... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree, and there was one of the ladies, there was a few people that we spoke to, and one of the things that this lady was saying was, you know, we, we, we're voting you know, too often, and some of this got edited on the cutting room floor, so it wasn't in the actual video, because we wanted to keep it a little mm. bit shorter, but um, you know, she was saying, yeah, we're, we're always voting uh, too often, and um, we, we just need to have one person who, who does the job, and they have the job for a long time, and... And I'm like, oh, okay. It sounds sounds more like a bit of a dictator than anything, you know. Like, and I sort of tried to explain to her that that's what a dictatorship is: one person in power who has total control. And she and she was like, ah, oh, well, that, now that you put it like that, I guess you're right. I'm going, you know. So, 
get like people we just we almost the public doesn't seem to know what they want they want to be able to vote but they don't want to vote for the people that we've got you know what i mean like yeah kind of want to just scrap this system and start again they want something different they want something new and you know we're trying to explain to them maybe if you vote in some of these minor parties who can give them a little bit more power and gradually get them involved uh, because they've got the right idea of returning us back to our constitutional ways and getting away from these mm-hmm. systems that are in place right now, which are, and we know they are put in place to help protect the two-party system. Um, you know, there was, um, yep. I saw a, a Guardian article headline come out the other day and it was it was something like both, uh, both of Australia's parties want this and or it was... Like it was titled to read that Australia only has two political parties, and that's how they want mm. the people to think. They want people to read to think that it's red versus blue. It's it's two. It's it's polar opposites. It's that you know dialectic of having um, you know good over evil or vice versa because that's all that people can understand. They can only understand that that bipolar sort of one versus the other sort of thing. Um, where in yeah. fact it's literally just like we always say, two birds, uh, two wings of the same bird or two sides of the same coin or however you want to phrase mm. it. Um, yeah. So Absolutely. That, that, we thought that was pretty interesting that there's a lot of people were saying that as well. Um, like I said, some of this didn't make the video cause it ended up on the cutting room floor just for time's sake. Cause if you make mm. a video too long and, uh, people tend to not really sort of pay attention too much to the information. So anyway, <laughs> that was, uh, yeah. that was, I guess the election wrap up, for us um and yeah i did see that that wrestling article you put up as well i thought that was quite clever that you likened it to that as well <laughs> <laughs> yes no i i thought i'd um have a little bit of fun with that one and you know again the red and the blue raw versus smackdown yeah. two opposing brands that appear completely different with different wrestlers on them but they're all owned by the wwe behind the scenes yeah, so. that's right yeah one red and one seems- blue yeah yeah, absolutely crazy. so again two sides of the same coin mate yeah they want to have all that, it is and they want everyone to think yeah that there's uh it's good versus evil one v one yeah oh, that sort of thing yeah you're right when it's just someone being someone controlling it from the top down so anyway yeah. uh, we, we've, the show we've, goes on mate yeah we've explained this so many times to people but um yeah a lot of people just don't understand it but anyway we'll we'll move on yeah. to the next one yeah. um so what else have we got here? I've put up one the other day because there was a meeting, there was a community action taking place. Uh, where are we? When was that? Was that Wednesday? Thursday night. It was Thursday night, wasn't it? Thursday night, I believe. Yeah, yeah it was too. Yeah. So Thursday night, folks, there was a, uh, a community action plan for uh, some 5G information. Uh, happening in uh, in Brisbane, there was a little meeting at uh, the Newnham Hotel, and you know Ray Broomhall, Max Egan, and Paul Sales, and that were there and helped sort of organise the event, uh, which was good. So we put I put up a little article just to sort of help promote that event to to get people interested and to talk about it a bit more. And you know it's uh, one of those topics that just isn't sort of going away at the moment, Ethan. It's this five G. Mm-hmm. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it harmful? Is it not harmful? Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of disinformation out there. There's a lot of scare tactics. There's a lot of fear, um, and from what I can see, probably not enough facts out there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Know, we've, yeah, we've we've talked about this before. We've we've put up a lot of information. We've put up, um, you know, some discussions with some prominent scientists. There's um, there's I think I've even included some links where you can go to in this recent article here, where there's something like twenty six thousand scientific peer review papers with regards to the harmful effects of um, 
you know, this type of um, non-ionizing radiation actually being harmful rather than just the ionizing radiation, which is things like X-rays and gamma rays and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Because we're hearing a lot of information that it's just, it seems to be, you know, the, the non-ionizing radiation, which is just a bit of, what, thermal heating, I think, um, and that's not dangerous, apparently. But there's a lot more to it than that, and that science is based on stuff that's um, very old and based on very old technology, which was things like the... 1G, 2G kind of stuff, which was out there. So nothing's really been done from what we've seen from these big companies who are pushing the 5G, um, which has been done recently on on their technology. They're all basing Mm. all their safety studies and things on the older uh, radio frequency radiation, you know, studies that were done a long time ago. So that's how they're able to say, even Dr. Carl Kruzaleski is whatever his name is, is out there saying how it's, it's, it's harmless. It's, you know, nothing to be afraid of. And this is, this guy's, you know, a doctor apparently, but, um, you know, he's not really sort of letting Mm -hmm. everyone know that these studies were done, you know, from a long time ago. So, so like I said, there's a lot of disinformation out there, but I don't know, but what are we, what are we supposed to think about this, man? I'm, I'm hesitant to get on board with it because like I said, that um, precautionary principle hasn't been put in place yet where there is, you know, which is if there's doubt about the safety of something when we shouldn't go headlong into it, um, we need to sort of have yeah. a bit of a moratorium on it until, you know, further studies have been done from all sectors, you know, government, industry, independent, everyone's comparing them all. And then we sit down with the public and say, this is what we know. Um, here's our mm-hmm. studies versus their studies, what they didn't do, here's what they didn't do, so-and-so, you know, no one's doing that and that's that's what's concerning me it's it's let's forget about the safety let's just put everything up let's smash out the 5g as quickly as possible and we were expecting a 2020 rollout and they've even telstra's kicked it off this year um yeah so they are going they are steamrolling this um right now it's going absolutely global uh and speaking Mm. of which there's been action groups and uh, awareness groups popping up all around the world, which uh, I believe you put up uh, some information for, mate. Yeah, General. So I put up an article last night on tottnews.com just detailing some of the community action groups across Australia. And this was inspired partly by the event that you just mentioned that happened in Thursday in Brisbane, Mm -hmm. uh, hosted by Paul Seals. Um, I know Paul. I've um, met Paul on a number of occasions and, you know, very intelligent and, and driven individual and he had max egan and um barrister ray broomhall who has been uh, talking about some of the the legal actions that you can take against the government enforcing this on you as a form of assault um so some lots of good information there but uh, what i wanted to do was for the people that weren't in brisbane who weren't able to attend the event to connect them with some of the other groups that are around australia so you can go in there and there's national groups there's state by state groups there's pages in every single state here in australia so you can head into that and um, connect with your local community group and and what people are concerned about general as you've just mentioned is the lack of safety that has become uh, synonymous with this 5g rollout that is expected to combinate in 2020 so it's it's just interesting because you know as you mentioned there is a lot of disinformation you know a lot of the conspiracy truth around like to come in and add their little spin to things mm. but there definitely is some associated dangers with it you know it has been labeled as a carcinogenic uh, element similar to lead 
uh, based um, from studies from the World Health Organization. And as you've mentioned, scientists all across the world have spoken about the dangers of non-ionizing radiation, which is the same radiation that is used in much smaller frequencies on ultrasounds. And if you're a fan of the CRAS files over at crasfiles.com, you would have seen his discussions with um, Dr. Janice Barcello, who has been speaking about some of the dangers associated with non-iodizing rays. And what it is, is sound that is being developed that becomes radiation because of the frequency that it has been developed at. And what we're seeing with 5G is that all of the crystals that are being crushed to make this iodizing radiation are going to be developed at, you know, similar rates to what they use for military sound weapons. Now, you would think, General, that all of this type of information would have been studied, would have been rigorously tested. But as you've mentioned, mate, it all it does is go back off of previous studies talking about the safety of 1 to 4G and also the mandated health regulations that have been set by international uh, guidelines. So what they say is, yes, we might be broadcasting this at 3,500 gigahertz, but that's still well below the 7,500 that is recommended for human interaction. So that's how they're getting away with it. They're, they're not saying it's not going to cause any damage. They're just saying, well, it's perfectly under the radiation that it will cause severe damage to you. So yeah, well, it's, it's even, interesting, mate. Just to interrupt you, I've even heard that um, Australia is one of the nations where they've even, they've just moved the goalposts a bit too and they've increased the minimum amount of um, exposure levels that, to say that are safe as well. You know, Absolutely. We've seen and, that before and, with other things, so yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point there, mate. And, and that's another thing is what, you know, and I'll, I'll go through this when I run through some of the articles in a minute, but what, what has happened is the the pioneers of 5g technology developed this in countries like europe which are much smaller terrains with less you know mountains hills faunas and everything like that in the way compared to australia so what the telstra executives have admitted is that they've had to alter the technology for australian import to make it so that it can broadcast through our terrain like our fauna and our mountains and some of the challenges that are faced with the Australian outback. So they're actually increasing it down here. And this is what the Telstra executives have admitted on their website. But yet again, they say it's still within the, the, you know, the concentrated safe level of radiation that people can be exposed to. So we can still get away with it. But um, it is very concerning, mate, that they're going to be adjusting this when it hasn't even been approved on an international level by the united nations as to what frequency and what bandwidth this will be broadcasted at so governments are just going full steam ahead in this race to set up the smart city infrastructure of the future and 5g is going to be the the backing of it mate Mm. it's just crazy yeah it is and and look, we, we we do have to sort of play devil's advocate a little bit too. And I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, and I have been chatting to him again. I keep saying to the gentleman, um, "Come onto the podcast and let's hear your side of the story with regards to um, this, you know, the wireless technology." Because um, he's part of the one of the companies that's, I guess, uh, contracted to do some of the rollout, and he's been in the industry. You know, I've sort of looked at his Facebook profile and 
all that sort of stuff. Yep. And he's one of, he, I think he was a linesman as well. You see him on pictures climbing some of these great big uh, radio towers as well to work on them. Um, all that sort of stuff. His name's Dallas. And I've said to Dallas, Dallas, if you listen to this too, mate, um, on the playback here, then please get in touch with us, mate, and uh, and come onto the podcast. We will hear your side of the story. I don't care how technical you want to get. Just try and, I guess, say the technical stuff and then explain things in layman's terms as well, just so people can understand mm-hmm. it. Um, and yeah, we, 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 we're not interested in just putting out one side. We do want to hear both sides of this. So it'd be interesting to, to hear that. So please get in touch with us um, and come on the podcast. Absolutely. Mate. He has wanted yeah, to actually absolutely. sit down with me and, and have a cup of coffee and because he actually lives fairly close to me too. Um, I'm like, mate, just come on the podcast and chat to us. You can chat to all three of us at the same time, you know, and uh, and just, just yep. lay it down for us, you know. So um, I think, I don't know why, I'm not sure That'd why he's hesitant, but um, I don't know. I just want to... I just want to get it out there and, and yeah, just just put it down so people can hear it. He's he thinks everyone's barking up the wrong tree and that um, it's there's nothing wrong with it. So um, in in terms of the the bandwidth on the spectrum that is being used for the five G in, in terms of the the two point four up to sixty gigahertz range or something, you know, he reckons it's um, there's nothing wrong with it. And it's perfectly safe. So anyway, um, yeah. The- that yeah. would be interesting. It I'd be, be interested to, to hear his perspective. I want to do something similar as well. I've I've got a couple of contacts that I want to get on that work in the telecommunications industry that have contacted me saying we want to come on and give you the telecommunications side of the story as to what's happening. And I would be interested in that as well, getting that out as well, because, again, a lot of the things that we've just spoken about, about the dangers are you know, I'm not speaking for you, General, but from my perspective, have been things that I've had to research myself, I've had to interpret myself because the establishment are not telling us what's going on with 5G technology. So, you know, you never know what type of information is out there, um, you know, and, and I, I get a bit sus about some of it sometimes. So if we can get your contact on, if we can get my contact on and, and we can have a chat about the other side of the story, maybe we can start to, to level out a balanced approach to see what the real issues are and what of it, you know, is just nonsense, to be honest. Yeah, and I'm happy with that because I, I kind of want to hear, hear what they've got to say and then say, and then sort of, you know, not put them on the spot in a sense to try and make them look like an idiot. But I want to say to them, well, what about this particular you know, scientist who says this and, you know, um, and actually I'm going to insert into the podcast, um, here now. So for people can hear it themselves, but I'll do this in the post edit, Ethan. Um, so I'll just mark the time now. So I know where to put it in, but this is a, a video from a, uh, scientist named Dr. Martin Paul, and he works at the Washington state university and, uh, I'll just read this paragraph here. So he did a, there was a symposium sort of thing that he was attending and it, I'll just read this here. So it says, during the Health Health in Buildings Roundtable sponsored by the NIH and co-organized by the US CDC and several other organizations, Dr. Martin Paul from Washington State University concluded that the 5G rollout, quoting here, is absolutely insane. In this short presentation, Dr. Paul confirmed that the current 2G, 3G, 4G radiation population radiation the population is exposed to has been scientifically linked to lowered fertility, insomnia, fatigue, depression, anxiety, major changes in brain structure in animals, cellular DNA damage, oxidative stress, hormonal disruption, cancer, and much more. 
Dr. Paul briefly explained the mechanisms of how the electro-smog emitted by our cell phones, Wi-Fi routers, cell phone antennas, and other wireless technologies affect human cells. So I'm going to play that video uh, now for folks to listen to. It doesn't go for too long. I'll just insert that here. Um, yeah, so um, I'll, I'll link that to you as well, Ethan, so you can have a listen to that, and I'll get your thoughts on it now. Uh, okay, so we've got a lot of work to do. Let me just say, uh, on my, uh, I, I submitted on the site not only my slides, but also a 90-page document that has documentation on everything that I'm going to talk about. So I won't give you any documentation whatsoever here. We don't have time for it. I'm sorry. Um, the current U.S. and international safety guidelines, my pointer, uh, are based only on thermal effects, but there are many non-thermal effects that occur at, at uh, levels orders of magnitude lower than those allowed by these guidelines. So the guidelines are almost totally irrelevant to the actual health effects. Uh, and so what I'm going to do here is talk about initially eight things that are extensively documented and based on large numbers of review articles that have been written. Okay. And, uh, and uh, the first one I'll talk about is lowered fertility. There are a whole bunch of mechanisms that are involved in producing lower fertility. And as I'll say later, we're in terrible trouble on this. We're already seeing huge effects in human populations. There are also neurological and neuropsychiatric effects uh, based on 25 reviews. And if you look at these things, if you have time to read them, you'll see that they include all the things that almost everybody is complaining about nowadays, and we know that those are caused by EMF exposures uh, based on uh, uh, many, many different reviews. We're already in great trouble on these. There are also cellular DNA damage of three different types uh, based on uh, 21 reviews, and these are very important for causing both cancer and for causing germline mutations. I think we're probably in great trouble on those as well. We have uh, high levels following exposures of, uh, I guess I'll move over here, of apoptosis, uh, programmed cell death, uh, based on 13 reviews. That's important for these reasons. And you get oxidative stress and free radical damage uh, based on 19 reviews. So these are all extensively documented. Uh, there are still other things going on here. Oops. What's going on? Okay. You get endocrine effects and a large number of different endocrine effects. Uh, I, as far as I can tell, every single hormone system in the body is impacted. Uh, and there are uh, 12 reviews uh, regarding hormonal effects. You get excessive intracellular calcium. And this, as you'll find out uh, later, is the cause of almost everything that I'll talk about. So this is the underlying cause uh, behind everything else. Uh, there's cancer. There are 35 reviews on cancer causation by EMFs. And uh, it includes everything that goes on in the whole process of carcinogenesis. Now, pulsed EMFs, EMFs that pulse up and down, are in most cases much more biologically active than our non-pulsed or what are called continuous wave EMFs, and that's been shown in 13 different reviews. Because all wireless communication devices communicate via pulsations, they are potentially, and I believe actually, much more dangerous. So that's obviously a major issue.
So uh, there are several other effects for which there is uh, strong evidence, but not the kind of overwhelming evidence that we talked about before. There are cardiac effects that affect the electrical control of the heart. They are life-threatening. There, there's also evidence for very early onset Alzheimer's and other dementias, uh, and, uh, and those are obviously very consequential. Uh, we also get ADHD and autism, apparently caused by late prenatal and early postnatal EMF exposures. It's my opinion that these are caused by the effects of intracellular calcium on the development of the synapses during the early development of the brain. So how does all this work? And this is my own work. Uh, EMFs act primarily by activation of what are called voltage-gated calcium channels, and I abbreviate those VGCCs. And so what are these? These are channels that are in the plasma, plasma membrane that surrounds all of our cells, and when they're activated, they open up, and you get excessive calcium flowing into the cell, and it's the excess calcium in the cell that's responsible for most, if not all, of the biological effects. So there are several pathways by which this, uh, this excessive calcium here work. And one of them is you get uh, high levels of nitric oxide and superoxide, uh, which react to form peroxynitrite, which is a potent oxidant, breaks down to form reactive free radicals, produce oxidative stress, and also produce uh, inflammation via NF-kappa-B activation. So those are all involved in producing pathophysiological effects. You also get effects through excessive calcium signaling over here. Calcium signaling is very important in the cells of our bodies, and when you get too much of it, you get pathophysiological effects. There's another way in which, uh, these, in, in which this calcium works. When you get excessive nitric oxide, it can bind to cytochromes, and that produces some responses. Nitric oxide also works via a nitric oxide signaling pathway. That produces therapeutic effects. There are genuine therapeutic effects of these EMFs, and that's uh, the, the pri primary mechanism by which they work. So, um, so it's important to... Uh, hmm? About a minute? Okay. Um, there are four reasons why EMFs are much more active in children than in adults. Children have much higher surface-to-volume ratios. Children have high densities of stem cells, which are very sensitive to the EMFs. The developing brains of the children seem to be especially sensitive to the EMFs. And the tissues in the children have higher water content, and that also is important in increasing uh, increasing sensitivity. For these reasons, things like Wi-Fi and cell phone tower radiation in schools uh, should be a major concern. Okay. Um, several of these effects, I'll go through these very quickly, uh, show cumulative and eventually irreversible effects. And so what that means is basically the same exposures uh, produce more and more severe effects and they become irreversible with time. And so uh, when you have that kind of situation, obviously you're in great trouble. Uh, I think we're already very far along in terms of the reproductive effects and the neurological to neuropsychiatric effects and probably also the, the germline mutational effects. And these each produce 
existential threats to our survival. Uh, now, let's talk about 5G, and this is my last slide. 5G will entail the use of much higher frequencies and pulsations than our current microwave devices. Uh, the much higher pulsations uh, allow 5G to carry much more information. Uh, but basically, because of these, of these um, uh, high frequencies and uh, high, high pulsations, the biological effects, I predict, will be much, much greater uh, because of, of the activation of the VGCCs. Uh, I, the other problem with 5G is they're, they're planning to put out tens of millions of these antennae all over the place so that it'll be almost impossible to avoid exposures. And so these are going to be all over. And they're, they're, the reason for that I think maybe somebody else can discuss because I don't seem to have any, any time to do that. So let me just say the current plan, which has already been approved by the U.S. Congress and the FCC, is to put out tens of millions of these 5G antennae, irradiating every single person and every other organism in the whole country without even a single biological safety test of genuine 5G radiation. This is, in my judgment, absolutely insane. Thank you very much. All right, so that, um, folks, that's uh, Dr. Martin Paul there from that Washington State University. So feel free to definitely go and check out um, all the information that he's been talking about there. Um, hopefully in the show notes, uh, folks, you can actually go and click through and have a look for yourself at all the studies. I'm going to try and find that link for everyone um, and they can actually go and check those uh, those studies themselves if they want to go and do their homework and their due diligence. Um, if not, but look, you've got someone of this sort of stature who's um, at one of these, like a very important conference talking about the safeties of all this stuff and this guy um, himself is a what's his credentials he is a professor emeritus of biochemistry and basic medical sciences at washington state university so um if you've got a guy like this up there saying that uh 5g and emf is you know the big rollout and the big push and the increase in all the towers ever is going to be um detrimental to our effects then um i think in my opinion there's that's definitely cause for concern i don't know what are your thoughts uh, ethan after seeing that sort of stuff that he's been talking about yeah, absolutely. Um, I've uh, just had a had a look on his Washington uh, University uh, profile, and he's certainly got a number of of studies talking about the dangers of EMF. And he's actually said that these are huge breakthroughs in his. Uh, professional career so this is just one example of someone who is coming out talking about some of the effects of 5g and as as we mentioned before the clip you know and he's expanded with some of the more detailed dangers that are associated things like endocrine effects hormonal effects you know 35 reviews into um cancer you know what i mean mm. it's it's insane that he um is able to to link to all of these type of things and this is just one individual one professional who is talking about some of the associated dangers with emf radiation which is exactly what this technology is is based on general so it, it is very concerning when mm. you see so many health professionals and this is why i want to get the other side of the story onto the podcast so that they can can try and combat some of this because at the moment all we're getting from the establishment is it's okay, it's safe, don't worry about it. When you have doctors like this 
who are who are who are talking about some of the dangers in public and warning people about it general so the onus of proof is on the establishment at this point as we've discussed before as that clip has demonstrated there's lots of questions out there mate and more and more people want them answered yeah so i look i think it's it's okay for the majority of uh, of these activist groups and the people and the, the the vibe we're getting from these um, from social media about five G the five G rollout, I th- I think it's warranted. I, I think it's okay to have this this doubt about its safety and this look. Oh, I hate to say that the, the having the fear of it is a good thing, but uh, in this regard, I think they they could be on the money. You know what I mean? But you're right. We do need to hear the other side and. Um, you know, we can't just be pushing the, the one side the whole time. We've got to, in, in the era of fairness, we've got to have both sides of the argument here and then people can actually make up their minds for themselves. Um, yeah, I might even send this on to, uh, on to Dallas and see what he has to say about it, the chap who's, uh, who's been talking to me on, on, uh, on the direct messages on Facebook and just to hear his take on at least this video anyway and see what he has to say mm. about it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll... At it's this point interesting. in time, it is interesting. At this point in time, we might just leave this uh, hanging in the balance and, until we can come up with, uh, I guess, a definitive kind of side which which we're going to lean to on this one. I, I personally am sort of, like I said, that um, uh, like what Bob Phelps said way back in I think episode three of the podcast, we the precautionary principle should be put into play here. Uh, and if you go back and look at previous articles, you can see that um, Brussels becomes the first major city to halt 5G due to health effects. So they've even put a moratorium on their 5G rollout because they're concerned about the health effects of it. So why can't um, mm-hmm. why can't we do that? What's the rush? I mean, do we really need to, yep. s- to stream videos and movies right now that much faster? I mean, what's the rush? I don't understand why is the rush on this right now. You know what I mean? What That's the yep. other thing I'm not getting, Ethan, is... Yeah, look, we've had... 2G, 3G, 4G, you know, and now we're up to 5G, and and the rollout for each of these technologies has gotten a little bit quicker every time. I don't know if you've noticed yeah, that. Absolutely. I mean, you've probably seen that on your articles. You, you've even talked about when the, when they rolled the technology out, but they're definitely getting quicker in the rollouts. Um, and look, I hate to be um, <laughs> to to be the one that says this, but remember how we were talking about the depopulation agenda and. That um, that website uh, Deagle.com is expecting uh, world populations in certain Western countries to decline so dramatically, uh, and that's going to happen within the next five years. And you know, look, we're rolling out this mm. new massive technology, and yeah, you know, could be within five years' time we start dropping like flies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going out on a limb there, but point, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's it, you've got to look at all of these angles. It certainly is part of Agenda 2030 because. 5G will be the backing of the new smart city infrastructure yep, that will be introduced things, yep. that we've we've also um, detailed on tottnews.com. The Australian government are planning to introduce smart city infrastructure all over the country. There's already facial recognition um, technology planned for Perth. There's already cameras that are going to be used in Darwin. There's already these things that are being developed and what's going to be the underlying backing technology of this? It's going to be 5G. It's going to be this 5G NBN merge that has been planned from the start. And this is what's going to be coming. And the Australian government have said, by the end of 2020, we want a full rollout, wired rollout of all telecommunications companies. And we've Detailed that in an article on tottnews.com if people want more info on that. But this is their plan. So we need to look at 
all of the different angles. We need to look at all of the different approaches because by the end of 2020, all of this is going to be rolled out and, and it's coming quick and, and, and it's coming fast and there's no accountability whatsoever. So I'm, I'm with you, General. I definitely think the concerns are warranted and I definitely think that uh, politicians and authorities should address them uh, before this rollout continues, mate. Mm. I mean, we've got um, mm. in, in one of the articles I showed before as well, you know, uh, there was a Senate hearing in the US and... They're quoted as saying, you know, no studies show 5G is safe. Like I said, they're basing all of their their safety studies and things on the older technology. You know, they haven't done the safety studies on this stuff. So, uh, like you said, they're pushing the rollout faster and faster. And we've definitely tied it into all the smart city infrastructure and the Internet of Things. And Agenda mm. 2030, this is the uh, the one of the pavers on the road to technocracy, mate. That's... Uh, the technocratic exactly. system going up all around us, and uh, yeah, this is—they need this this part of the infrastructure in place so they can have the uh, widespread, full spectrum surveillance and control grid uh, installed. Uh, this is, like I said, this is exactly one the, yeah one of the steps on that road, mate. Exactly, mate. And for anyone who's con- concerned about this, well, there's plenty of articles on tottnews.com. As I said, there's more more black and white approaches just telling you what the plans are there's an article there that tells you about the locations of all of the proposed and active towers all across australia so if you're concerned about 5g in your local community head to tottnews.com and and find your nearest tower to see what's going on with it and as i said at the start there's plenty of community action groups all across australia that are doing letterboxing that are doing meetings that are doing live streams that are doing hosting meetings all of this type of stuff to fight back against 5g so as we always are general ahead of the curb trying to to give people that information because this is this is happening and this is real and um you know you're going to have to, if you are concerned about it, you, you're definitely going to have to get on board now. Um, otherwise, it'll be too late in 12 months' time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just ask, ask yourselves, folks, do, do do we need this? I mean, if you're sitting on the fence, if you're not concerned with 5G, if you think, hey, well, I, I, I'm not feeling any effects, I don't think there's going to be any effects, I'm all for it. But just think to yourself, do we really need it? What are you going to be using 5G for? How is it going to benefit your life? Um, and if the answer is that you don't have an answer for that, then why why are you behind the massive push on the rollout? You know, I just don't I don't get it. I'm not. Uh, I mean, are you sitting there out in the middle of uh, you know the wilderness wanting to watch uh, Game of Thrones on your phone? I mean, like <laughs> like what's the who's no one's going to be doing that? Like seriously, there's no reason you want to be sitting there. I mean, you watch the ads on TV from things like Telstra and stuff, and they're talking about you know oh we we want to want to stream stranger things on my phone you know bin, binge watch you know stranger things on my phone like oh, come <laughs> on man like the, as if you're going to be doing that first of all people are usually in their in their homes watching things like that and stuff or in an office or somewhere where they've got wi-fi which like let's not go down that path anyway but I mean, who needs this 5G network just so you can stream movies? I mean, that's what they're, <laughs> that's what they're selling to us. They're selling us on that convenience again, Ethan, aren't they? It's, yes, it's so convenient for us. You know, it's so good for you. It's so convenient. Well, again, it's not convenient for us. It's convenient for the system going up around us. That's what it's for. 
That's the convenience. Absolutely. Yeah. When they talk about convenience for us, it's not convenience for us. It's convenience for them. <laughs> we've <mentioned laughs> Absolutely, that, We've mentioned that before. So, yeah, listen to the previous podcast. We talk about that sort of thing all the time. <laughs> but, mate, I can download a season of Game of Thrones in 13 seconds, mate. I don't care what you have to say about uh, this, this conspiracy nonsense. Oh, um, I, I can download a, an episode, a season of Game of Thrones in, in like, Two seconds now, mate. Yeah. Isn't it ridiculous? I mean, they're saying, yeah, you can download... It's going to be like a, a, almost gigabits a second sort of thing, you know? And yeah. It's and then Telstra, it's even worse all these people going out and buying Telstra's new device, which isn't even connected to the wires. It's just their hotspot device. So you mm. literally just got the radiation right near you <laughs> instead <laughs> yeah. of attached to a pole. Like, oh, look how fast this goes. You know, it hasn't even been internationally approved yet. And Telstra just going ahead of the curb saying, no, no, we want you to see what the speeds are like. Like, come on. Mm. And people are already jumping at that. It's 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 going to be a wild time over the next 12 months with this technology, mate. Yeah, we're definitely going to keep our fingers on the pulse for this one, brother. Um, definitely. Yeah, watch this space, that's for sure. We'll... We'll do our best to yeah, to get some of the other other side of the of the opinion polls uh, going on this one too. So um, mm. hopefully by the next episode um, we'll have yourself, me, Andy, and hopefully we can get someone else as well to, to have a chat about this. Um, yeah, this, mm. uh, it's not going to be one of those things where we do one episode on this because this is about the third or fourth time we've even spoke about it. I think too. So uh, it's mm. definitely going to be a hot topic for for the, at least the next twelve months. I reckon. Um, so yeah, hopefully we're not boring absolutely. everyone about it, but um, that's just where we're at. Um, we might just segue <laughs> on to something else here. Have you got anything else on your website you want to have a quick touch on? Um, I know you put a few members' uh, circle uh, articles up there, so do you want to just remind folks um, how they can um, support you and get on board and, and check out those articles and maybe just touch on those articles for, to, to sort of wet their whistle? Yeah, mate, um, absolutely. So there's there's a few new membership and subscriber pieces on com at the moment. And as as I've said previously, if you do like some of the, the public content that we do publish, for example, all of the coverage on 5G at the moment, we also offer additional content to people that help support our operation and keep us producing more content for Australians. So this month it was relating to freedom of speech and censorship here in Australia um, and the subscription piece that was related to that. So what I do is for free subscribers of tottnews.com for a little bit of additional content for being free subscribers and receiving uh, the articles to your email, you can also get access to subscription content, which sort of gives a basic summary or a single topic or, or a viewpoint from the larger member piece so you can get a taste of what our membership content is before obviously committing to a membership. So if anyone's out there listening, uh, head over to tottnews.com and if you sign up for a free account, you can access Is PC Culture the Modern Newspeak? So this is a concept that I wanted to do in a feature piece just to run through how politically correct culture and the anti-democratic nature of hate speech censorship is on the rise in Australia. And what we're seeing is a hierarchy of ideas that proponents are pushing that means that some are superior and some need to be suppressed. So, General, in that article, I just go through some of the erosions of free speech here in Australia relating to the members' piece. And I talk about, firstly, what I think is really key about 
um, Australia's push towards, you know, this cultural Marxist language policing, and that is the essence of Australian culture general. Now, I don't know about you, mate, but, you know, even in my lifetime, Australian culture has changed so much. You know, we we used to be a culture where comedy was an important part of the Australian identity. You know, we hear the Australian sense of humour is often characterised as dry, irreverent and and ironic, you know, and, and the underlying tone of the Australian personality is one of crudeness and unreserved self-expression. And we've seen that all throughout Australian history. In fact, some of the old, uh, some of the old establishments back in the old Australian era made sure that anti-establishment comedy was a hallmark of of the pieces. So this was very key for me to go through talking about the essence of Australian culture, mate, and also why that was important for the social engineering experiment um, that is happening. But uh, just just on that point, mate, have you noticed a similar sort of tone to what I'm speaking in terms of Australian culture, how we used to be such a carefree sort of more open, more direct, more honest sort of culture. And I think that that has had such an even greater effect on the social engineering experiment compared to other countries. Do you, do you sort of see that similar transition in your lifetime general here in Australia? Yeah, most certainly, mate, most certainly. I mean, you can just go as far as looking at things like comedy, um, comedy mm. in especially in Australia and even in the UK we have a very similar taste in comedy and it was all about taking the piss and offending people you know what I mean you, you look at things TV shows like um, Fast Forward and Full Frontal that used to be on those comedy sketch kind of shows you know you mm. have people you know um, imitating you know your, your wog con the fruiter kind of guy you know and all the stereotypical yeah. kind of things we used to do and it was funny it was just it was just humor you know what i mean it wasn't it wasn't done to to offend people it was just to that was the australian way it was to take the piss and just to have a laugh and that's been that's, take, that's been taken away from us you know we you look at the humor these days and it's it's definitely changed um i i, I do like watching a, a bit of the um abc um australian comedy shows and there's a there's a couple of good ones um but they've definitely changed the way they do their humor um mm. they're, they're trying to be a little bit more careful about it because again if one person complains and says oh you know it's racist or it's discriminatory or it's you know they're going against my gender or whatever then they'll they've got to take it down you know because mm -hmm. someone has complained about it whereas back in the day we didn't care so much you know if, if they were complaining about it, it meant that people were watching it and they were doing well, you know, like that was their, yeah. that was their metric, you know, um, and it's definitely <laughs> changed where, and this goes, that's where, I mean, you, you can look at uh, a bit of a snapshot of society in terms of the, the way our, um, our language and all that sort of stuff is changing when, by the way we do comedy. Um, yeah. if, if everyone else has sort of noticed that too, but you look at, look at the way that comedy is these days and yeah, you can, you can get a feel for um, for how how things are changing uh, in our society for sure. Absolutely, General. Yeah, no, you definitely nailed that on the head there, mate. And that that's why I wanted to use comedy and humour specifically as, as an example because it really is the underlying sort of tone to to what Australian culture is. You know, as you said, taking the piss, having a good time. You know, being larrikins at times. You know, this is what the Aussie culture is like. 
And that has changed, especially especially in the public sphere, um, you know, definitely in the last 20 to 30 years since the, you know, the counterculture movement began in the 70s and political correctness was born. And today as a society, mate, where we've become fearfully polite, we're careful to avoid offence, um, we're largely unwilling to be labelled intolerant, hateful, closed-minded or any of these other labels you know, that carry a badge of shame. And what we've seen is uh, the result is a nation where no one says what they think anymore, at least if it runs counter to the prevailing views and intolerance has become a badge to be worn um, in, you know, in shame and humiliation almost, you know. Um, you know, if, if you're against some of these these mainstream points, then you're deserving of society's fears, loathing, and, and banishment in, in a sense. And all of this relates to politically correct culture. And this is why I titled the article, Is PC Culture the Modern Newspeak? And what I wanted to do, General, was just compare some of this modern-day language policing that we've seen that I go through in greater detail in the member's piece, but just compare it to what George Orwell wrote about in his book, 1984, about the concept of newspeak. And for everyone who has read the book, you all know that newspeak is the, uh, the, the, the language, a controlled language of restricted grammar that was introduced by the totalitarian government mm. in 1984. And the ultimate aim of newspeak is meant to limit freedom of thought, things like personal identity, self-expression, free will, and it's meant to crush those things. And, and what we see is reductionist language designed to diminish the vocabulary until no one can resist against the party regime, mate. And what we're seeing similarly with politically cor correct culture is it's, it's an attempt to ultimately impose desirable mental attitudes by removing undesirable words from our vocabulary. And after all, the words that we use frame our understanding of what we think, write, and say. So ultimately, at the end of it, General, you can see that there's definitely some connections between what George Orwell wrote about in terms of this reductionist controlled language in 1984 and what we're seeing with politically correct culture and especially hate speech censorship that's on the rise. And and I thought that it was very interesting, mate, because as opposed to in Orwell's book, it's been enforced by the establishment where, as in the modern world today, political correctness is almost an organic thing that is, is being powered by the social justice warriors that are carrying it, mate. Yeah, they're, they're it seems us, like we're doing it. They're making us self-censor. Um, exactly. That's, that's, that's part of the key is so that it doesn't look like it's being pushed on us, that it looks like we're doing it to ourselves. So that's part mm. of the agenda. That's one of the tricks that they're using. Um, Absolutely. And one of the one of the other little shady tricks that they're using is by uh, adjusting the technology that we use. And you've likened to that uh, in your article, Microsoft to trial inclusive language autocorrect. So again, adjusting the language mm. within the programs that we're using to produce our works uh, and, and, you know, quickly changing things with, a, with an algorithm 
so that it's more inclusive you know what i mean so you can't use <laughs> he and she and all that sort of stuff it's going to be sort of more non-gender specific and uh all that sort of stuff uh so it's more inclusive um you know in terms of uh what big brother wants us to use yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's like direct language policing right there yeah. you know let's think of how many think of how many people use word mate you oh, know what i mean yeah. like Imagine, you know, you know how um, annoying autocorrect can be when you're typing on your phone or something Fuck and it just yeah. corrects, you know, it just correct, it corrects everything. Now, imagine if this is going to be, you say, policeman and it changes it to police person. Mm -hmm. You know, imagine if you say girl instead of it and it changes it, you know what I mean? Maybe the older generations won't be affected by this. It'll just make them more outraged. But who's going to be the ones that are affected by this? The younger generation coming through with this technology general. It's going to completely change their vocabulary to correct any of the things that they've learnt from in their household, from their own family, from their own culture to, to fit this greater narrative. And then, and that's that's just one example that you brought up. And if you do sign up for a free membership excuse me at tottnews.com you can go through um, some of the other examples that i've listed here in australia so i go through the education system how the institute of public affairs free speech on campus audit found that eight in ten universities stifle free expression here in australia um, talk about public schools i talk about 18c racial discrimination act examples i talk about the medical establishment general which we've spoken about here on the podcast talking about how the australian health practitioner regulation authority have released statements warning practitioners that they can't promote anti-vax viewpoints mm -hmm. if they believe them you know we've we've seen david ike banned from australia we talked about this on our podcast and you guys had him on and had a great chat with him here on the General Knowledge Podcast for episode yep. 13, I believe it was. Yeah, it's about that, yep. um, yeah. and and, you know, we've seen Israel Folau with his sacking from, from Rugby Australia, you know, where, you know, other players can go beat up their wives and get a six-week suspension. But if you think the wrong way, General, you're going to have your contract torn up in front of you, you know, like... It just continues on, you know. I give examples of Fraser Anning. I give examples of Blair Cottrell. And even if you don't agree with these characters and these people and these these examples that I've I've listed, what you need to understand is this is leading to a future direction where anyone that has any opposing views to the establishment, and I've been saying this since 2015 on the ARP hate speech will become the new terrorism yep. in 20 to 30 years. The new terrorists are already starting to be painted as people that are against the establishment, that are non-violent extremists, as David Cameron put it in his United Nations speech. This is what they're pushing, General. And it all starts with the reductionist language that's being introduced, that we are self-policing, and it, it will lead to a world where... Um, free speech will be gone and the younger generations won't know that there was a world like that that existed beforehand mate yeah yeah it's amazing isn't it it's funny you should mention it because um just the other day i was um just sort of flicking through facebook and i saw a video come up and it was about how uh it was it was uh from the view it was a cnbc or I don't know, some news outlet somewhere in connecticut in the u.s was uh, doing a piece and they were talking to a young girl who's 
um, you know, a track athlete, track and field. And mm. ever since she was like you know nine, eight years old, she was doing really well. She's an excellent runner. She does long jumps. She does all these events, and she's a you know she's always getting gold, little medals, and she's coming first. She was amazing. And then um, when she started at um, I think it was college or first year in college or something like that um mm-hmm. she came third in a race because the f- one and two was a transgender athlete there were two two men who were racing as women and they came one and two and now yeah. and now they've been dominating these races constantly in all the meets and all the other girls who used to compete in the the girls races are now literally competing for third place because these the men are these two men are winning first and second every time because yeah. they have to accept them as transgenders, and you know they're talking about how mm. they can't say anything about it because they'll be labelled as um, you know whatever it is you know bigots or you know discriminatory because or, or bullies because they're saying that they shouldn't these two men shouldn't be competing uh, in the transgender as transgender athletes, and I and I showed this to my daughter. I said. Mm. Watch this. I want, I want to hear what your take is on this. And um, so she watched it. It was there for about seven minutes. It was quite long. And I, uh, after she watched it, I said, so what are, you, what are your thoughts? And she's like, oh, like she didn't, almost didn't know what to say. She didn't want to say it's not fair. And I said, I said to her, I said, well, look, I'll tell you how I feel. I said, in my point of view, I said, it's not fair. I said, these are men racing in a women's race. And look what it's doing. I said, yeah. Men, look, whether you agree or not, men and women are different. We are biologically different, right down to our genes. You know what I mean? We are different. We aren't the same. We aren't equals. Men and women are not equals. That's just the the law of nature. You know, we are not meant to be equal. Mm. And yet they're trying to say all these laws that have been pushed through in the US, uh, where there are equality rules and equality laws. And if you can't let these transgender you know women who are actually men race in women's races, then it's against the law and you will, you can be punished for that. And I'm like, is this right? And she goes, well, yeah. yes. she's like, well, no, it's not fair. And I said, oh, well, that's what I said. It's not fair. Um, I said, I said, if you want to make it fair, have a, have a biological girls race, have a biological males race, and then have a transgender race and put all the transgenders in their own race and have them race each other. You know what I mean? That would be fair in my eyes, you know? Don't segregate them mm, in terms yeah. of they, they have to be put into one of the other categories. Have their own category. You know what I mean? What's wrong with that? I mean, because you're going to see this at the Olympics yeah. before we know it. This is going to be a thing at the Olympics. You're going to have men competing in women's races and vice versa. And uh, I, <laughs> well, it's already happening. It happened well, there you at go. The last Olympics. That's right. Actually, yeah, you're right. Transgender competitors. Remember? It's yeah. crazy. It's, and, they um, introduced it for the first time at the last one. It's it, just crazy stuff. It's going to be even more. You know, there'll be more and more of that, and it's going to be um, the new way of things. And I'm, I'm like, it's, it's, it literally isn't fair because you've got these girls who. I've been trying their whole life. And now this young girl who they interviewed is saying, she's like, well, I don't know what to do anymore. And, you know, she goes, I was, I went to try long jump and then one of them went and joined long jump and now they win all the long jump ones and I just can't compete anymore. Mm-hmm. So she's done her, her, from when she was like 10 years old to now she's like 21 or something. She's, you know, she, but she feels like she's just wasted the last 11 years because she can't go any further. She literally can't yeah. go any further if these other two men are competing in the women's races, you know, and it's not fair. And I, I feel for her. You know, there's, she's not alone. You know, mm-hmm. um, they they have the things. They even disguise the voices of some of the other 
other girls who were competing because they didn't want to be labeled as a you know as a bigot or, or discriminatory so they disguised their voices and had their comments as well saying yeah look it's not fair look we have nothing against them we, we're happy for them See. to be transgender and do all that but it's not fair that they're in our race because they're going to win every single time you know so um yeah, yeah there's more of that Jeez. censorship you can't say anything um you got to self-censor but this young girl was quite brave in speaking out about that so there's an interesting yeah. topic maybe for another podcast but I just thought I'd bring that up because it's sort of likened to what you were talking about how um, yeah they didn't want to my daughter didn't even really want to comment because she felt like she was going to be mean to transgenders <laughs> yeah uh, and that's anyway. the thing general like you just mentioned that you know they've, they've they even had to hide some of the voices mm-hmm. because they don't want to come out as intolerant to this Correct. new thing you know we saw we saw it with Joe Rogan who come out and attacked the transgender community for allowing transgender fighters in mixed martial arts mm. you know he come out and said I don't care what you think this is a male with male bones beating up a female woman like what 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 is going on here like yeah. this is not fair at all you know like this <laughs> is not. and he got absolutely scorned yeah. for it by the yeah. pc community oh no they give him estrogen blockers blah 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 you know it, it's almost like the 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 issues of the sub part now you know the real thing is the reaction and and if you say anything that goes against the norm then you're going to be targeted and attacked for it mate yep yep yeah, we can't be afraid to, to speak out about what that sort of stuff, you know. Um, yeah, whether you and, and I, think about the future, like. Sorry, you no, go. Yeah, no, no. I was just going to say whether whether you say something or not against or for something, you've actually got a lot of people backing you up. They maybe they might not they might be afraid to say it themselves, but people do feel the same way as you. Sorry, go. Yeah, no, that's a great point, General. And and one of the things I wanted to point out was where does this this type of of future lead? You know, we've we've already seen that smart home technology such as Alexa and Amazon are able to recognize words or able to listen in on conversations. What happens when all this smart technology gets evolved? What happens when a similar system to China's social credit comes in and all of this smart technology will be able to pick up on you saying intolerant words in your house? Does this not form the basis of the thought police that George Orwell spoke about in 1984, mm-hmm. except instead of an actual force, it's it's technology that's going to be all around us, General. And, and if people don't fight back against this hate speech censorship, against this language policing that's happened, we will reach a point where you won't be able to criticise transgender athletes, you won't be able to criticise people. And if you do... Even privately, technology will be able to hear you do it. And who knows, you might be arrested. You might have your social credit score go down. You will be unsociable in society, mate. This is the path that I see them leading us down. And and it all relies on us accepting that we're going to have our thoughts and our language policed by the government. You know, it has nothing to do with tolerance. I, I can be tolerant to someone else i can refer to someone by their pronouns if that's what they refer i can be tolerant as a human being to them when the government come in and try to enforce legislation that that requires me to speak a certain way that's where we cross the line general and we are crossing that line as we speak here in australia yeah yeah a couple of things look there's a great video from rowan atkinson um who was speaking about how you know we're in the the politically correct age now it's it's becoming so hard to offend and when that's that's what british comedy was built on was offending people and stuff and he thinks that that's sort of you know starting to die off now so look i can't remember what it's called but you can probably look that up on youtube folks um 
I completely mm. agree with you what you're saying. It's 1984. It's um, it's it's Minority Report pre-crime. You know what I mean? They're going to be watching and listening to us. With like you said, you mentioned Alexa and Siri and all this sort of stuff. Uh, listening to the mm. words we're using, our language, and perhaps offering at first suggestions on what we should say, or correcting our grammar as we say it after we say it, or mm. then uploading <laughs> and that sending that information off to perhaps the authorities to say, look, listen to how these people are talking. You know, like um, mm, you never know. Yeah, look, and we might even start to wind up the podcast now, and I'll, I'll sort of, I'll, I'll put this one out there. It's just gone sort of mini, mini viral on my Facebook, on the Real News Australia Facebook page. Um, I put this little meme up the other um, yesterday, I think it was, and it says, <laughs> it "says My wife asked me why I spoke so softly in the house. I said I was afraid Mark Zuckerberg was listening. She laughed. I laughed. Alexa laughed. Siri laughed. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's <laughs> as creepy as that is. That is quite real because then some of the people in the comments below this, mate, get this, have said." A friend of mine got an Alexa. All was fine until one night about 2am it started to laugh for no reason at all and told them they were going to die. Alexa went in the bin. Um, yeah, and then, <laughs> she, and then one of my friends who I know personally said, this is not the first person I've heard ha that has happened. That this has happened to. Um, someone else said, yeah, uh, sorry, then she's coming. said, yes, laughing randomly and also randomly showing pictures of cemeteries and telling people they're going to die. Like, it's, this is the kind of weird stuff that um, ah, they're doing. Yeah. And someone says, yep, this happened to my mother too. She took a Alexa and smashed it with a hammer and tossed it in the bin because it's doing this <laughs> sort of weird, creepy stuff. How funny is that, mate? I mean, it's funny, yes, wow. but how creepy is that, mate? <laughs> that's that's creepy. I didn't know that they, it was doing that type yeah. of stuff. That's yeah. just next level. People, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Get that stuff out of your house. Like, I, they're already going to be forcing on it with infrastructure. Don't bring it into your house. Exactly. Jeez. I know. I don't give a fuck if it was given to you for free or if you got a, a new phone and, you know, someone gave you the little Google one or whatever. Get, do not plug <laughs> it in. Get rid of it as soon as you can. You know, just throw it in the bin. Turn the light on yourself. Research the answer yourself. You don't need this assistance, people. Yeah, exactly. Stop being lazy. Yeah. So we might we might wind it up there, mate, on a bit of a funny note there, I thought. Um I'm I'm pretty Crazy. much covered for this episode, mate. I don't know. Have you got anything else you want to finish up on or are you right to go? No, mate, I just encourage everyone as as always to head over to our websites and have a look. All the five G coverage there. Um or as I said, the subscription and membership pieces there. Always great content on your website. Um and as always we're on social media, so still at it, General, for another yep. another podcast. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, mate. And, uh, yep, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, folks, and share it. And, um, yeah, jump on. Make sure you like uh, both of our Facebook pages and follow us on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. We're out there, and uh, we need you guys to help support it. So thanks very much again for downloading this one. And uh, we'll wrap that up for, for this one, and we'll be back next time with uh, episode 20. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.